Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. This week, Pastor Ben Fitney is continuing the series, Church Was Never Like This, with a message titled, How Christ Empowers the Church to Grow. Join us in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 16. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Today, we want to uh, talk about how Christ empowers the church to grow. And in this series, church was never like this. Church has changed a lot in the last 50 years. I mean a lot. Maybe the church you grew up in, unless this is the church you grew up in, I know that as, um, as a child, as a young adult, the church I grew up in and how we met, what we did, how we experienced church, it's a lot different than it is now. And um, because of that change, you know, um, just by nature, I believe that people don't really like change. And most of the time when we, uh, when we leave or we try to do something different, we want to change. It's because things have changed and we don't like it. And so um, the, the church has constantly got to evolve and move and grow and change, I think, to respond to the changing nature of our culture. So I want to talk today about a few things that I, th- I think are really important, really vital when it comes to the church and just exactly what we should be doing and maybe not doing. And I want to talk a little bit about the nature of the church and how some there, I think there are some flaws in the way that we experience church. The word experience, for one thing, is an important word to think through because I think people are looking for a certain kind of experience a lot of times. And what has just happened in, as, a, as a nation, as a globe, as a culture regarding this pandemic has unearthed or revealed a lot of things about church and how I believe how quickly we, we um, should be able to understand and see what's most important just by uh, virtue of meeting together consistently, kind of going away, has forced the church, has shook the church, has shook Christ followers to, I think, recognize um, some things and how important what we do is, is and how we place an emphasis on gathering together on Sunday morning, maybe... Um, more than we should. So it just brings me really to sort of the first point in um, our lesson today. I want you to turn it, it's Ephesians chapter 4, turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and we'll draw the truth out of the text and then ask this question, what does it have to do with me? But can we talk about how the church experience I think is flawed a bit? And before um, you've, you've, you feel defensive, um, I, I want you to remember, no matter what, that there's got to be balance in all of our thinking, especially when you're talking about church. There's got to be balance. We all understand things a little bit differently. We all experience things a little bit differently. We all see things differently because of our season of life, the lens we're looking through, the church you grew up in, all this contributes to um, our 
paradigm in thinking. And so there's got to be balance as you discuss something that can be a little volatile or um, controversial. Not that church should be, but it is, right? And uh, I'll tell you the, uh, the red dot in the middle of the target, too, before we get there. I, I want you to know that it's my hope, it's my deep desire this morning to show you and challenge you to get into community group relationship with other Christ followers. I think it's vital and I think it's important. So that's, the, that's what I'm after to inspire and motivate you to today to experience the fullness of the supernatural church life as the New Testament pictures it or showcases it. So sometimes I wonder this. I think this through a lot because of my role and the role of our staff at Vail Christian Church. I wonder if the frequency and if the seriousness of many problems that Christ followers have or Christ followers face, I wonder if it's because most Christ followers in America in particular do not experience relational, interpersonal, supernatural church life in the way the New Testament describes it. I think psychological problems, I think marriage problems, parenting problems, self-identity problems, financial issues and problems, career problems, loneliness, addictions, phobias, weaknesses. I wonder so often if this epidemic of emotional and psychological issues are not the symptom of an organic flaw in the way most Christ followers experience corporate church life. I wonder it a lot because, because of the pressure I'm under a lot, which I'm not complaining about, though, to be helpful with all these issues. And I have a good education, and I have gifts and talents, and so does our staff and uh, our staff at Vail Christian Church. But it's overwhelming a lot of these problems and issues that we can't possibly solve. There's just not enough of us to go around, and there's not enough expertise in order to face these things. So, can we talk about corporate church life just a minute? For most um, Christ followers, corporate church life is a Sunday morning worship service. And actually, that's all. And thats I'm not being confrontational with that. That's just actually a fact. It's Sunday morning worship service, and that's primarily the extent of corporate church life for most Christ followers. A smaller percentage of people then add a class to that of some kind which doesn't provide very much interpersonal ministry as well. And I believe in classes. I really do. We have some of the best classes this morning uh, we've ever provided. We have really good teachers that are experienced, good at teaching, and have credibility. And I'm excited to present these classes to our body, and I think that we should. And we've worked really hard with the technology And Pastor Matt Miller, it's most of his job, or at least half of his job, is just actually providing classes to equip and train the saints. 
So I love classes. Don't misunderstand me. I think they're necessary, and I think the church should provide them. I believe in the tremendous value as well of corporate worship. And I believe that part of this time should be full of solid teaching. I believe that it's crucial and it's critical. And I can't tell you how often I came to the church property during this, these months of the, the shutdown and quarantine where I would just drive up here on Sunday morning, open the gate <laughs> anyway, and walk around and pray for the church and just long and pray and hope for a time we could come back together. It was just a heartache that was almost unbearable. I didn't even hardly know what to do on Sundays when we weren't meeting together. So I believe in Sunday mornings and corporate worship in that way. But you simply cannot read through the New Testament in search of what church life is supposed to be like. You can't do it. It's impossible. And come away thinking that worship services and classes are the sum total of what church was supposed to be. Or you're just not reading and absorbing the New Testament. The inevitable effect of treating church as worship services and a few classes is to make the people of God passive and too dependent, by the way, on our staff and experts. It's just not possible. We have a great team, and they're wonderful people, and they're talented and gifted. They're full of education and experience. But if... If you, de- if you depend on them too much, it's not good and it's not right. It creates passivity. So could it be that this pervasive relational passivity and dependence that millions of Christ followers, I mean passivity and interpersonal Spiritual ministry and the missing of that robs us of some of Christ's most valuable remedies and solutions for hundreds of problems and issues in our lives. If God designed the church to function like a body with every member working in the power of the Holy Spirit, With other members, like a household, in regular interpersonal relationship, then would it be surprising to find out that the neglect of this regular interpersonal spiritual work cripples the body in some of its functions and causes parts of the body to be weak and to be sick? Isn't that what you would expect if treating church as a worship service in a few classes, isn't that what you would expect you would get? There is definitely, I believe, with all my heart, a felt need for professional help. I I, I know because people seek me out. People seek me out probably as a last resort. (laughs) It's amazing. People don't want to come and 
talk through their issues. It's usually at the last resort. Not always. People seek out our staff. People seek out professional help as a last resort, but people seek it out. I wonder if the incredible felt need for professional psychological help, what would happen if things things could really change in the church? Where else could you possibly turn if you couldn't get psychological or therapy, professional help? Where would you turn? I, people are turning, uh, turning towards things like this a lot, all the time. Whether we feel, um, whether we, feel we should or not, What if the organic flaw of the way we experience church is contributing towards that? Think about this for a minute. How do psychological counselors and therapists help people? How do they do it? I think it's important. I think it is needed. How do they do it? Have you ever analyzed that or think this through? I think you know because... When we seek out those helps, sometimes we'll think, oh, I I need some marriage counseling. I need some therapy. My child needs some therapy. I need some help with addiction. I need these, I need this stuff. Think about for a moment, how does it actually work, uh, what you're seeking, what most people seek? How do psychological counselors help people? How do they help? And, And they're important and they're necessary, and I'm not here to tear that thinking down. But I think it seems to boil down to these things. I've put it together for you. Number one, this is the way it works. Personal one-on-one conversation, and we call it counseling or therapy. That's what it is. Personal one-on-one conversation. The second thing is it's personal group meetings with others facing similar struggles. So it's either personal one-on-one or personal group meetings. That's the way... Psychological counseling works, and that's the main tool. And then there is group, group sessions as well. And then the third, um, the third method is using medications, usually some sort of antidepressant. Now, listen, I think that we can and we should be thankful for these things in all kinds of cases, and I think they're necessary and I think they're good. But isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing when you think about this? And maybe I'm just a simple person, but isn't it amazing that when Christ followers are in distress and they seek help from professional counselors and psychologists, and we want them to be Christians, by the way, short of medication, the help that we get comes through one-on-one or group sharing. When confronted with uh, the pain of people's personal issues and problems, where do professionals turn? They turn first to one-on-one conversation. And when I help people, that's what I do. I ask questions. I listen to their story. And that enables me to speak into your life. I can't do it unless I can make some sort of assessment 
right? We turn to one-on-one conversation. And when more is needed, we turn to small group interaction. I don't care if it's grieving or addiction. We turn to group interaction. Isn't that remarkable, actually? That the multi-billion dollar ministry of counseling and therapy that we have created to help hurting people is built almost entirely on the ministry of conversation. They talk. We talk. We talk it through. That's the ministry. That's the power of conversation. In the best settings, wise, insightful, prayerful, loving, intentional conversation. There's a tremendous amount of distress and dysfunction in our culture, in our families, in our lives, in our relationships. And so you can conclude this, I think, when you talk about the distresses and the dysfunctions. You, you, can, you could say maybe the church has failed to provide for this and should now be providing more and more support groups. And um, I think that you might be right in some cases. We need probably lots more support groups for all kinds of distresses and abuses. But the question that keeps troubling me more and more these days is more fundamental than that. I'm, I'm thinking through and I'm trying to a- ask myself and, and, and analyze it whether generations of flawed organic church life is a significant part of the origin of some of our dysfunctions and our distresses. It's a, it's, it's, I think it's worth thinking through. I really believe it's worth thinking through. Should we have been doing things a lot differently than we always have been? It's hard to compete lately if you're not careful. The church is under a tremendous amount of pressure to present ourselves in a way that is attractive. We've spent thousands of dollars so that we can live stream Vail Christian Church. And this morning during this, sec- during this service is our second live stream now at the 9.30 hour. We haven't promoted it yet because we're still practicing. But we will go live next Sunday to the Masses Because it's almost impossible to survive as a church unless you have a digital footprint or an online service. You cannot compete. The front door is online. People won't even come unless they can see. uh, They look in the front door first. I don't know that it's fair and that it's right. I'm not even complaining about it. People choose church based on me, which is kind of too bad. And then Kevin, thank goodness it's not just me. I would choose church based on Kevin way more than me. And then they go to Elizabeth and what she's doing and Noah, children and students. And then they're looking for familiar handles and you're 
your online presence is really important, really important. You better get it right. Otherwise, it's, people don't give you much of a chance. You know what? If I'm anywhere close to the truth, if I'm just partially right, then those who experience church in small groups, I think you get help with at least some of your issues. You can't possibly not. Problems are deep. Issues are deep in our culture and in our lives and our relationships. And most of the community groups that exist at Vail Christian Church experience what the New Testament pictures as interpersonal, supernatural work and the power of the Spirit through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I'm sure some don't as well. Because it's hard to be in community with people. Because it's hard to mesh everybody's thinking together. Everybody thinks a little bit differently. Everybody views things a little bit differently. Everybody votes a little bit differently. Everybody understands things based on your paradigms and your experiences in life. All kinds of things contribute to how you function. And so meeting in community is difficult. And it takes work, there is no doubt. It's possible to turn a small group into just another interpersonal time where we just learn more about the Bible study. About the Bible, right? It's, it's, it's easy to turn a small group meeting in just in, into, in other words, just a Bible study. And I think Bible study is really important and really vital, but I don't think that that actually, be careful, as you hear this, I don't actually think it's the most important thing a lot of times in community group. I think a Bible study is a big deal. But there is so much more I think that is important. So I think that community groups can be deeply flawed just like anything and can be difficult but on the other hand, I think it is possible to grab a hold of, to lay a hold of a supernatural supply of the Holy Spirit by faith and minister to each other in ways that over generations might rebuild a healthy church body with less weakness and sickness and immaturity and fruitlessness than we see today in our culture. I don't know that this is a popular message to present online in particular. <laughs> in the middle of what, uh, the way things are fleshing out, I'm awfully grateful for technology and distance learning and things like that. But we already know, we already know, and it's hard for us to admit that our kids don't, live, don't learn as well from a distance. <laughs> and I promise you, we don't learn and grow as well as a church, in a large group gathering as much as we will and we do in smaller gatherings. At Vail Christian Church, it is our philosophy. It may not be a, a popular one. The big group gathering is really important. It's really vital. It's a big deal. It's crucial, I would say, but it really only exists in order to break everything down into smaller groups. The big group gathering, in other words, facilitates smaller group gatherings. 
So what I'm challenging you with this morning is a serious reconsideration of whether you're experiencing corporate church life the way Christ reveals it in the New Testament. And I'm certainly not trying to convict you or make you feel bad or shame you or make you feel guilty, but I think that is a result of lots of times drawing the truth out of the text and being presented with it. What does this have to do with me? It should make you take a good hard look at the way you're you're living your life or we're not teaching the truth. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, and move down to starting in verse 4. Let's read it together. Verse 4 in Ephesians chapter 4, there's one body and one spirit, just as you two were called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of the gifts of Christ. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he captured captives and he gave gifts to men. Now, what is the meaning of he ascended? Except that he also descended to the lower regions, namely the earth. He, the very one who descended, is also the one who ascended above all the heavens in order to fill all things. It was he who who gave some of the apostles, some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, that is, to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of of the Son of God, a mature person, attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. So we're no longer to be children tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes, but practicing the truth in love, that word practicing is a big deal. We will in all things grow up into Christ who is the head From him, those are important words, the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every, is an important word, supporting ligament, as each one does, key word, its part, the body grows in love. Let me just take a few minutes, sketch out what it looks like from Ephesians 4, start with verse 16. Look at verse 16. Really important. Look at verse 16. From him, the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. As each one does its part, the body grows in love. This is a description of how the church, the body of Christ, the household of faith, the family of family causes growth as it is built up in love. Here it is. Notice two things. From the verse Right here, first, the verse begins, verse 16, with the words, from him. From him, really important. That's why I highlight it in red. The growth and building up of the body is from somebody. The answer is the last part of verse 15. Look at verse 15. Christ, who is the head, from him. So the first and foremost important thing to say about how interpersonal church life happens as the church is built up is that it happens from Christ, from Him. That is 
supernatural. Christ lived once, died for our sins, rose again, ascended into heaven. He reigns there today as he promised. He is building his church. He's not passive. He's not distance, distant. He's living. He's dynamic. He's active. He is the head of the body. He is the supplier and the guide by his spirit. But we will receive his supply or but will we receive his supply? We expect it. Will we receive it and channel it to each other? That's the first thing to see. Christ is the living source of, the, of church life and growth. It's Jesus. But let's look at, at the from him the whole body grows. That's the second thing to see in verse 16. Look at verse 16 again. Even though the growth and the building up of the body happens from Christ, it is the body itself that is the immediate active cause of that growth. Verse 16, from him, the whole body grows. That's the subject of the sentence. Where is the verb? Where's the verb? What does the whole body do? The verb is way down in the last line. Every or does. Does is the verb. Causes the growth of the body. The doing causes the growth of the body. Everything else in that verse is explain, explains how. But the basic sentence is, the whole body causes the growth of the body. So even though growth that is uh, uh, even though growth that is from Christ, the head, is the whole, um, it is the whole body that builds the body. And the words practicing whole and every are really important here. Practicing builds the body. That's, that, that point is emphasized in the words as each one does, does, there's the verb, its part the body grows in love, the whole body that is, each individual part in the body properly functioning causes the growth of the body. So where and how? Where and how does this happen? Where and how does this happen in the corporate church life? Can we ever create enough programs that every person would be involved in using some particular gift can we do it? I think we should have programs. But it's probably not even the right question to ask, is it? Isn't it more likely that Paul envisions a kind of regular gathering of the body in groups small enough so that every member of the body can minister to others with his own unique spiritual gifts? Look at verse 7. It's really important. But to each one of us, Grace was giving according to the measure of the gifts of Christ. Verse 8 then, therefore, or so, it says, when he ascended on high, he captured captives. He gave gifts to men. Right? Notice, but to each one of us, grace was given. And then in verse 8, that grace is expressed in terms of gifts. So it says, or therefore it says, he gave gifts to men. So verse 16 means, or what it means, is that the whole body grows when each individual part is working properly. It means that all men 
members have gifts, and all those gifts are to be used in building up the body. Your gifts, your spiritual gifts are for others in the body, not for you, in love. And this is how Christ, the all-supplying supernatural head of the body, builds and cares for his church. It's actually somewhat simple, but really hard to flesh out and implement. So can I just get right to it? What does this have to do with me? Is there or are there resources Tremendous resources for healing and joy and power and strength and mission that most Christ followers miss because they only experience church in a corporate worship service setting. I think the answer is absolutely, yeah. I think you just miss it. You know, what we know is that the front door is our website. The front door is our digital presence online. You know what the back door is? Just the anonymity of the big group. That's the back door. It's so hard to connect that it takes so much work to connect and so much time that people are impatient with it. We want relationship. We want friends. We want connection. But you can't find it in the big group setting very easy. It takes work, so it becomes the back door. And people escape because they're not finding what they need. Is there a real flaw in our understanding of church that may account for untold weakness and discouragement in the body of Christ? Yeah, absolutely. We don't understand. Church is a place we go to sometimes. It's a place we go to and it's not that. Church isn't a place you go to. It is a household of faith that's got to be fleshed out in a family of family setting. Are you living a normal New Testament church life in personal spiritual community with others. It's a good time to check that out and to kind of evaluate. And I didn't put this one up here, but are you part of the flawed, disfigured pattern of life that may account for more weakness, hurt, immaturity in the church than we could probably imagine? There's lots of people there, and it sounds kind of confrontational when I say it that way, but I think lots of us are. And I get it. We're busy. I understand. It's difficult. It's amazing. This is, I've been more appreciative of this pandemic in in ways that you might not imagine because it's sort of forced us to scrape away all the activity in our lives. But people can still use COVID-19 for cover and not be a part of things just as well. Would you, would you put this to the test? I think it's more than theory. I think it's truth. When you draw the truth out of the text, I think that God has created us to be in relationship with each other. He's created us with each and every one of us has a spiritual gift if you're a part of the body of Christ and it's meant to be fleshed out in church. And it's amazing when you exercise your gifts, how you get the benefit of other people's gifts and how it creates sweet relationship that helps us get past 
distresses and dysfunctions and difficulties that we're all facing. I'm challenging you today to be a part of community. There's so many opportunities, and we're here to assist like a personal trainer would. We're here to assist to help you get into community. What we've seen is that, you know, what has survived when you remove the corporate gathering like we were forced to do, you know what has survived? The, the underpinnings of community groups is what has sustained Vail Christian Church because that's where true life in Christ is fleshed out and lived out. I want to challenge you to be a part of community like that. I say this all the time. I'm starting to be careful of where I reserve it to unleash it. Are you ready? You already know it. It's coming, most of you, if you've been around. I promise you, if you get into a community group, it will change your life. Father in heaven, thank you that we can be in your presence today, that we can worship, gather, give, and serve. This big group gathering is important and it's necessary and we spend a lot of time practicing our presentation and getting ready for it. And we don't want to leave it behind, but help us see the most important part of why we gather in a big group fashion is to break it down into smaller groups where we can be known and celebrated, where we can exercise our spiritual gifts and honor you and flesh out our mission and our mandate to explain Jesus to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com.